or do you, do you feel as though it's appropriate or is, I know that might not even be the right word or that that's a good tool to use if you are looking for something just to throw it out there to everybody? Um, it depends on how much pride you have. I mean, I don't know if that's the bag. Let's for just everyone. say no. Let's say, you know, okay. let's just say you don't give a shit about, you know, what people think about you or anything. But do, it would, do you think that'd be effective? The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiot Radio Podcast. Should we start with the hairpiece and the area stuff? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast, the second uh, episode of the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast, where it's all millennial talk. Hey, I'm uh, Tony Dufresne, Dr. Tony Dufresne, a millennial mentor and relationship expert, and I call myself peak performance just because Tony Robbins does it. I'm trying to get his audience. I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah. So today we have a very special guest, and uh, she is one of you millennial types, and it's Amanda Ventura with Evolve PR Marketing. Hey, Amanda. Hi. How's it going? Now, the reason I have you on is because we met uh, on a photo or like a press thing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you are the senior account manager because we talked about that before because uh, sexy it, title it make and it's a lot better and a lot more prominent than the account manager right right yeah i have some kind of clout behind me now. clearly now yeah so you're way more important now so thank god yeah we have you on otherwise the show i wouldn't really be qualified or be you wouldn't be show. on the show well, you wouldn't yeah. be on this show <laughs> certainly so but we met uh, we met there but we chatted briefly about that i like the fact that your background's in pr and marketing and you are ensconced in the all the things millennial because we briefly talked about the the student loan experience that you like to call it. I love that term. Yeah, thanks. Student loan experience. It is an experience. It is, yeah. And the the uh, the work life balance and stuff. And so we actually spent like a good hour prior to turning this thing on, which I I should have turned on an hour ago. <laughs> and we start we should have just started wrapping it down then, or just or just start recording then. That's okay. This will be the refined version. Yeah. I don't want the refined version. <laughs> That's what I don't want. But what you said was, I, I wanted to just bring bring us back to when I asked you to be on the show and, and, I, and I said really what the premise of the show was in regards to millennial issues. Uh, you wrote back something really cool and you really nailed it down to do a couple, three really cool topics. And the first thing was the loving your job versus chasing money versus unemployed by choice. Yes. And that's it. But isn't that really what all you guys, because, and I talked about this prior to turning the mic on, that's the coolest part, I think, about your whole generation is, and what I can see from a Gen Xer standpoint is you guys are, everything's shifting. It's shifting now to where we, we were brought up with this whole thing about just kind of going along the same thing as the baby boomers did. And our, our whole thing was achieving through gaining material objects or uh, success in a business and padding our bank account. It wasn't, we didn't focus on experiential stuff and we didn't focus on relationships. Whereas that's pretty much what you guys are. Yeah. Right. We are a little preoccupied with those, aren't a we? Little, yeah. But that's yeah. cool though. But that, I think that makes a huge difference though. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, my, my biggest battle that I've gone through in my young adult life has been focused on finding that balance between, do I want to let my student loans become a burden that uh, keeps me in a job that I don't love? Or do I want to do something that I love, find a way that I can make it work 
And, yeah. Is, um, is that something that you have to think about like every day in regards to, do you reassess this constantly? Right before rents do. Um, <laughs> so yes. <laughs> no. Um, I think once you decide that you want to do that, it's a really big step and one that you can't easily go back from. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you do have a job that you love, it's hard. It would be heartbreaking, devastating to go to a job that you don't love. Um, and especially once you've had that experience, it's, you know, um, there's a lot less tears. Um, mm-hmm. and you just, it's just like anything. You find a way to make it work. It's just like love, you know, um, loving a person, loving a job. It's very similar to me. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, uh, the, the thing is that it's not mutually exclusive either. You don't have to adjust. A lot of people think that, oh, to do what I want to do, I won't make any money. Right. Or or that's or that's the choice I have to make, which is really not the case. No, in it, fact, you know, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was uh, going to say one of my first memories of trying to of understanding that you probably should love your job um, was when I started going to Arizona State University. They put us in this class called ASU One Hundred One. Oh, I heard about that class. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a total joke. But the one thing that I do <laughs> remember from it is uh, my very first class. They put up this big slide that said people who love their job are more likely to be millionaires. Hmm. And um, I remember thinking, oh, okay, so I can just do something I love. But it took probably mm-hmm. eight years for me to actually apply it because <laughs> you still aren't seeing that translate very clearly. No, because that's that because that's not step one to step two. No, or A to B. That's like A to W. Yeah, they they missed some steps. Yeah, in that there's, slide. There's, there's a few extra things in there, but it's yes. a really good point to make, and I think. But that's why when I talk as as a mentor and I talk to you guys, you millennial people, that I that's what I express to you guys. There's no reason why that can't happen. But the thing is, the difference is, is that once you get into something that that really you're all about, that exemplifies who you are and and what your purpose is and what your foundational ideologies are, and you find that somewhere. Now, the thing is, is that you can get into a job that may be a, an account manager job. Initially, if you go into an account manager job, there's senior senior. <laughs> okay, well, let's just say initially because when you first went in, you were not a senior, right? It took Correct. like it took what six or seven days before you did promote, get promoted up the ladder, right? <laughs> so when you first get into something like that, you think, oh, it's just a it's just a mainstream PR marketing job, this and this and that, which the shell could be that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that. It's about finding the job that has the same, and this is the whole value thing with millennials, is about finding a job in a firm that shares your values to the point where they're going to give you that box to work in, your account manager job box. But then you get to express and you get to do the things in that box that fulfill you. Like maybe if you're a grammarian, then you get to work on the grammar stuff. Or if you are, or if you're more of a marketer or more of a communicator, it gives you the the platform to go out and to express yourself on that level. Absolutely. And uh, one of the first things that Jen, uh, Jen, my boss, Jen Kaplan, did was she sat me down in the conference room and asked me what kind of clients I'd be interested in having off of her roster. Great question. And, um, you know, I was immediately drawn to all the nonprofits, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any kind of business that I thought my helping them get the word out would actually benefit society in a greater way. And I've been very fortunate to do that while I'm with her. 
And that's, and that's the key. The key is to, is to understand that and bring that in and to get into a place in a firm or a job that allows you to do that. It, it, it really opens up possibilities because so many people think that it's either A or B and so many artists and I'm using, I'm using air quotes. (laughs) They think that, well, there's nothing out there for me and no way I can express myself. And, uh, so I'm going to have to, you know, continue to wait tables or something to quote Donald Trump wrong. (laughs) Wrong. You, you, you didn't. You didn't purse the the lips and. <laughs> oh, wrong. Yeah. Did I do that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There it is. In China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> China. I saw the SNL opening last night. Did you see oh, that? With, no, with, not with yet. Him and, oh, good. Fucking hilarious. So you had. So in going back to your thing, it's about loving your job, chasing money, unemployed by choice, and you said you did all of those things. Yes. Um. Most difficult, obviously, being unemployed by choice. Um, (laughs) Depending upon where you live, I guess. True. All of this was done in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, I did live with my parents in Atlanta for about two months of that um, before coming back to Phoenix. I would say um, it's all part of the journey of finding the job that you love. Um, Becoming unemployed by choice was kind of that intermediary step between having a job that made me feel absolutely miserable and having a job that I loved. And um, it did take a couple jobs in between that to figure out what that meant what, as well. What what led you, because this is a huge thing, especially with you guys, because you, the way that the recession has gone and the fact that so many jobs were not there anymore, uh, you guys have pretty much had to take whatever you can. Oh yeah, it's been really shitty. I know, and as a Gen Xer, I'm terribly sorry. It was mo- I, I blame it on the baby boomers, but you know, so you guys are going out there and you kind of get what you can. And I know it's I know you know who wants to work at Enterprise Rent a Car. Sorry, I mean you know really. I mean you know, I'm just I'm using that as a, it's a great company, but I'm just saying right. if you have more of an artistic view on things and you're you want to express yourself in a particular way, but that's the only job you can you can make, and you got to you, you know you got to pay your expenses. And your loans and the whatnot. So you take that. What finally gets you to make the decision after you've been in that for a certain amount of time where you're like, I can't fucking take this anymore? Sure. It's when you dread going to work. And even if you're doing something you love and you still dread it, that's. And I know that sounds contradictory, but I'll explain. Actually, it. no, that makes sense. Actually, So yeah. um, I was working at a magazine. And I was writing every single day. I was the editor and I absolutely loved what I was doing. But there was just something about the atmosphere that, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the area where I could see myself thriving. Um, and so that's when I realized I really needed to find a different space to be a writer. Um, and so that's, that was kind of the aha moment. Which is an Oprah thing, right? <laughs> Oprah, I love Oprah. <sighs> oh, that that we we could we could sit on both sides of the table and talk about Oprah. Uh, yeah. let's, I, it's probably not a good thing to bring. No, up no, no. Right next now. show. <laughs> yeah. What did you have to that? Did you have to get your expenses in order? Did you have to? Um, the, the problem I see with millennials in that case is the fact that they've already sort of bought into certain things. I know you have your loans. The thing is, is that you can you can put them on the back burner if it comes down to where you don't have a job. And I think everybody knows that already. If they don't, uh, right. this, the second thing is is that you, anything's about sacrifice. Any anything has its cost. Anything has its cost. And if you do want to make that choice, which it takes some balls to make that choice. 
you got to you got to you got to bite the bullet, which means you may have to live with your parents or you may have to have eight roommates or you've got to figure that out. Were you set on that in terms of expenses wise or how did you survive? Absolutely was not set. Um, so this was an impulse thing, right? Uh, not necessarily impulse either. It was, uh, I had been dog walking actually and picking up side gigs, uh, writing music reviews for about $25 per review, which, you know, those take hours and hours to go to a concert and then write about it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get in a per hour uh, yeah. in, in your head. You'll just get depressed. <laughs> oh yeah. I think yeah. I was making about $2 an hour. Uh-huh. It was yeah. awful. Um, <laughs> And so I was picking up a lot of side gigs and I had enough uh, freelance writing opportunities to kind of get me through at least a month. And um, so in a way I was kind of set, but also not permanently set. I knew that it was a temporary thing and I had to find something quickly. What did you have to make big shifts in? Um, hmm, That's a good question. I think I mostly saw it in like grocery bills. Um. I think, yeah, that was probably the biggest one, just because that's the easiest thing to cut. Um, at the same time, uh, my card also broken down. It always happens, right? Yeah. Always. Yeah. And so I ended up uh, at one point, and this was actually predating the leaving the job. Um, I was taking a bus for about a year, you know, just to kind of save money that way, too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you do you do anything to make the ends meet. For people who are, for you guys who are at that point, because this is about the time, because you're 27, yes. right? This <laughs> is about the time, you, if, because the recession ended, well, they said it ended, but what, 2010 or something, which is complete bullshit, because it pretty much ended in, I think, 13 or 14. So you- My personal recession continues. <laughs> along with most people, I guess, you know, having to deal with the student loan experience. The Let's just say, let's just say that it's, we're on the other side of the mountain okay. and all that stuff. And, but the thing is that you guys, let's say you're mid twenties ish, you have already been in the workforce and doing a job for what, four, five, six, give or take years, right? Yes. That's about the time when you're like, fuck this. Right. And you're thinking, you're thinking it's too much of a sacrifice. And it's the whole thing about you saying you just, you just can't do it anymore. And you know that you just can't do it anymore. So what would be your, you being through it and you surviving through it? What would be your advice in regards to making that transition effective? Definitely have a plan of some kind, even if it is dog walking and music reviews for the next four weeks. So the plan would be to supplement the income. Yes. Find some way to make your ends meet. Um, You know, I I did do some planning where I made a list of what all my expenses were and kind of the bare minimum of what I needed to get by. And uh, I think that was a really big help because everything else kind of falls into place. Like maybe you just don't go out with your friends for the next month. Um, and friends will understand too. And I think that if anything, they would come over and bring dinner over and we would just kind of shoot the shit that way. That's a great point because most people think that maybe they wouldn't and they, and that you'd be, you'd be just kind of bowing out of the group. But right. if you, if you're open, that's a great part about you guys in terms of like overall millennial stuff. You guys are so much better at that. You really are. So much better at just kind of being open and honest about the fact that you're like, hey, I gotta, I gotta make these cuts. I have to make the sacrifice and I can't, you know, I can't go out, go out with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And my friends were great. They were like, okay, house party time. And all of a sudden there was a ton of wine at my house. I mean, that's kick ass. Yeah. I can't really, yeah. <laughs> I should quit my job more often. <laughs> 
So that so after that, uh, in regards to setting up a plan, mm-hmm. um, anything else in regard in regards to timing or what you did? How about what you did after that? Did you go through a little crisis like, oh shit, what you know? I'm I'm working without a net now. I mean, or no, I felt relieved actually. Huh. Um, I guess if it, I luckily did find you know employment, um, but I think that if it had gone on for too much longer, I probably would have started going into crisis mode. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's about understanding your self-worth, being really aggressive about finding another job, Um, you know, pulling in all of your resources that you can. Which is is what? um, That would be people that you know, which my network was pretty big from my previous job, which was really helpful. Um, Having just kind of somewhat of a well-known name, knowing that I wanted to stay in the media industry uh you know that was really great now i don't know about changing a job in a totally different industry like going from like you said enterprise car sales to um maybe working in the media that you know i don't know what kind of overlaps that would have have you had any friends that have done that or have tried to do that um i mean i have a lot of musician friends who are trying to get steady employment uh you know, as like a steady employment in the way that a musician means, which is <laughs> which like, is a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, like trying to find a job that'll let them leave for three months at a time. Right, exactly. Um, How are they doing with that? Is it, is, are they finding some way to make that happen? Yeah. You know, they've, they've had some luck. I think, um, one of them, one of my dearest, dearest friends is helping out at a, uh, greenhouse. Hmm. And because they have growing seasons and, um, I think it's kind of been, it's been a good job for her. Uh, you know, it's like one of those jobs that you don't really ever mean to get into probably, but Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's kind of the case with any kind of side gig. How did she find that? Uh, through her boyfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the network. It's always the network. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Now, and, and that's, and that's why I think you guys have a bit of a leg up than what we used to have because we didn't have the social network that you guys do. Do you think, I mean, is it with all, with a lot of Facebook friends or with Instagram accounts or whatever, do you, do you feel as though it's appropriate or is, I don't know, that might not even be the right word or that that's a good tool to use if you are looking for something just to throw it out there to everybody? Um, it depends on how much pride you have. I mean, I don't know if that's the bag. Let's just say no. Let's say, you know, let's just say you don't give a shit about, you know, what people think about you or anything. Do you think that'd be effective? Yeah. uh, What I found to be really effective when I was looking for a job was reaching out to about three to four people that I knew uh, would be open to helping me find a job. Um, You know, every now and then I would just kind of follow up with someone and say, hey, have you heard of any opportunities? Like, just so you know, I'm looking. Um, And that I think I did for about a year Mm. leading up to... Uh, my decision to actually leave. So people did know that I was looking at the time. Oh, so you kind of prepped it before you left. Yeah, a little you threw bit. threw it out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I wasn't actively pursuing any jobs at that time, but I was just letting people know that if they had heard of anything, you know, my mind was open. And I think that's a really healthy thing for a lot of millennials to do. I had seen some research that said about 60% of us are going to change jobs within the next five years yeah i saw um, the same thing yeah it's about 60 percent. Yeah, yeah and so that's um you know if you want to do it smart that's the way to do it use your network 
even if you don't want your parents to know or your boss to know if you're friends with them on Facebook, right. uh, send a couple of messages out to people who are really well connected. And then, and after that, how did you, how did you get to the opportunity opening up for you? Uh, LinkedIn actually on this, really? my most recent job. Yeah. Wow. Um, I recognized the name cause I had worked with as a journalist, I had worked with a lot of PR companies and when I was on LinkedIn, I said, Hey, I recognize this one. I really liked what they were doing. Um, and so I reached out to them and they happened to know who I was too. And so it kind of worked out. Do you feel as though you, I, I'm, I'm kind of a big pusher on the law of attraction mm-hmm. in regards to you putting the energy out? Oh, sure. And bring, do you feel as though you did a, a, an effective, obviously based on results, you did do an effective job at doing that. But do you feel that's an important thing? Is that kind of something you had in your mind? Yeah. I would say law of attraction is a really, of course, um, if you think that you're worthy and capable of getting a job, that energy translates really well to a future employer. Um, the other thing is just not burning bridges. I think that's a really huge thing that a lot of millennials need to keep in mind. Okay, amazing point. Can you expand on that? That's a huge thing with you guys. Yeah. Um, it's a principal thing. It, it, sure, yeah. It's And it's really hard when you're a younger millennial, I think, because... You do have that optimistic, uh, invincible feeling of, I don't need anyone to, you know, be successful. Uh, I'm going to make this for myself. And mm-hmm. that's a really admirable, uh, admirable trait to have. But at the same time, just like I said, the network is so valuable that if you do decide to start burning bridges, that bridge is going to catch fire to other bridges that are going to burn down other bridges. And pretty soon you're going to have like half a world that's not interested in talking to you. I have found because I lived before all the social media stuff, mm-hmm. I found that when that happens, it, the damage is so much more severe now because oh, yeah. everybody's so much better connected. You can't get away with it. If you're, if you're a total dickhead or you screw somebody over, there's going to be a lot of people who know about that. Yeah. So even if you have burned a bridge, make amends, you know, uh, everyone wants to believe that other people can change. And so if you can express that you've changed and kind of show that, I think that's really worth uh, putting out there the same amount as putting out the good energy for a new job. Do you feel, do you find as though your principles, uh, how do you balance that? Because people come in, especially with you guys, with your generation, very principle, very ideological. You guys have your ideals. It's one of those things where this is what I truly believe. And I know that this is be- this is the best thing for the world and the best thing for me. When you go up against somebody or you try to work in the system, and sad to say that the system was created by the boomers and the Gen Xers, and it's completely not the system that you guys uh, uh, work in fluently. You guys are more value-based. The system is more rule-based. So when you go in with all your principles and your ideologies, have you have you been to a point where you have to kind of dance the line between that? And how do you manage uh, keeping your principles and at the same time keeping your other foot in a in the big world where you can communicate and be successful. Yeah, sure. It's about picking your battles. Absolutely. Um, there were a couple times, especially when I was younger, where I probably died on a sword a little too soon. And um, I, I really think that you have to give yourself a little bit of space before you do so. And ask yourself, is this a principle that I should be pushing on someone else, especially if they're from a different generation? Um, or is this a principle that I can find a way to express in another more productive way? That is a very difficult thing to do. 
Yeah. But I think it's so important, right? It's case I mean, by case too. Yeah. yeah. I is. mean, everyone's going to do this differently for sure. But it's, but that's the thing that people run up against. It's that whole thing about, I can't do this because I'm, uh, it's the whole sellout thing. And I heard that when I was young too. Right. Ah, you're a big sellout or something. What, which first of all, you have to look, consider the source. Most of the time, the source is just pissed off because you're at a position where you can do something like that. Mm-hmm. The second thing is it has nothing to do with that in the, in the context of what you're trying to achieve. And it's, and I know it sounds like political bullshit, but to be honest with you, kind of is. And that's kind of how the world works. Unfortunately, yes. You know, it really, and the reason why it works that way is because we have two worlds going on at the same time. You have the world in your head, your head. It's nobody else lives in that world at all. And then you got everybody else outside of your head and you kind of have to have one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And there's, and, and if you don't respect the fact that this company or this boss has a different perspective on things, then you're kind of screwing yourself out of understanding how to, you know, how to do the, how to do the dance, you know? Yeah. But that's, but that's the whole point. And the thing is, is that there's going to be a lot of companies and a lot of friends or a lot of acquaintances that you have zero overlap with in regards to, they're so far off the reservation in terms of how I see things that there's no way it'll ever work. Even if it's a job that's open and it's got, and it, there's good money in it, you know that you're not going to be able to, I mean, have you ever been faced with something like that where you got into something and you're like, Oh no, this, this just ain't going to work. Yes. It didn't last very long and it ended up being mutual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a mutual split, I think. It, but that's funny how it usually mutually happens. True. And um, in this case, it was actually with uh, a fellow millennial mm-hmm. and um, I think because we both believe so strongly in our different principles and, uh, how we thought, you know, an office should be, I think it made the split a lot easier to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Just because you guys are the same generation doesn't mean you have the same principles. No, not at all. Um, and we, and we even talked like last week I talked to Mariah and we talked before the show about how, how different. I see from my perspective, my Gen X perspective, how different the early, the young millennials are to the older ones. You guys are vastly different. Yeah, it's almost night and day. It I is mean, almost some in some things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the traits that we probably share are the uh, idealist. Yeah, for sure. We're yeah. definitely like a happy social generation. Um, but. Uh, I think you had kind of a unique perspective on that, right? Because your daughter is in the lower half. She's in. She's uh, 25, mm-hmm. but she is uh, her life experience in regards to being out and getting her, you know, getting her bachelor's at ASU, and then getting her grad degree, and then getting pregnant, and then having kids, and getting married, and then having her husband uh, do the same thing. He's he's an engineer, a successful engineer here in town, and he mm-hmm. just kind of went through. The, so they're already sort of on their way. I think they, I think they relate more towards the older millennial generation because of the responsibilities that kind of hover around their, their life and where they're going versus the younger group. And I think the younger group tend to have more of a, I don't know, how would you call it? Transient. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of transient and just not there's, I think they're, I think they're more embedded in the, in the ideology because they haven't they haven't had to uh, negotiate as a good word, I guess, to yeah. negotiate with the bigger world or the other generations in terms of making things happen yet. True. I mean, and maybe that's just a, yeah, a lot of, of them are still in college. They're mm-hmm. still babies. 
In yeah, and still sense. and still developing their ideology. Yeah, but it's an important time, certainly, of life. I mean, I remember even college has always been a hotbed of developing ideology. The thing right now is, and the thing that makes it more difficult, I think, is the fact that um, it's the social media stuff, and it's the fa- and it's the self promotion stuff. And it's yeah. a creating identity and it's the rising above the din because everybody, anybody can do a podcast, <laughs> any, anybody can do a video, anybody can do, uh, you know, Snapchat, anybody. So it's a matter of kind of self branding or rising above and, and doing your own thing or creating an identity. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Because on top of us all wanting to be our own little special snowflake, we're an incredibly socialist type of group um we really believe in raising one another up um which is such a great we talked about that before the show mm -hmm. i love that about you guys is the fact and that was totally not the case with us with us it was a pretty much um a zero-sum game is what i looked at it whereas if if i didn't get the job or if you got the job i didn't get the job and it 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 shouldn't work that way and you guys get that concept. You get the concept of the rising tide raises all the boats. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is huge. And I'm so glad that that's actually, I can see that as a general concept of you guys coming in because you're willing to help others out. And um, I mean, even competitors, you guys are all about bringing everybody up because it kind of raises the vibration of everybody and everything. And it's going to help in the long run. Absolutely. I think that's where companies stand to benefit from hiring millennials. Um, a lot of them seem adverse to it right now because we get kind of a bad rap for wanting a uh, pool table that also can be used for naps. Um, but it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, in the long run, hiring a lot of millennials who have similar values are, it's going to do wonders for the business world. I can't wait to see how that pans out. It will. And it just, it's just going to take some time. It's mm -hmm. going to take, and you guys are the biggest generation now. Yeah. 92 million of us. The biggest. And eventually it'll, and being 35 or 30, 34, 35, you're starting to get into middle management positions and higher management positions and the culture will change. And you can already kind of see that that's, that's the case. You got to understand this is a huge, huge paradigm level shift because before you guys came in, you guys are all about values, right? About, you know, me, uh, my value resonating with the company's value. Why do they do it? What's their mission statement? What's their purpose? Do I believe in that right. type of a thing? You, you have to be aligned with that. Whereas we didn't give a shit about that at all. I mean, we, we'd go in and, and work with 3M, even though they're, you know, polluting rivers in Cambodia. We didn't give a shit because we're making our money, right? So, although right. I don't know about 3M, that was just a small example. <laughs> I'm, I'm not bagging on 3M. <laughs> But, but that was that was our that was our mo in going in where you guys come in and it's all about the value system. But you're running into the fact that our system is based on rules. Oh yes. And so you're trying to bring in these values and saying, well, why is it this? Why is it that? It's the whole that's the whole thing about well, why? Well, why? You know, mom, mom, mom. Yes. <laughs> and we as the older generation, we're not used to that and we don't like it. And the constant feedback. Yeah, we do love praise and gold stars mm -hmm. in this generation. Um, and I think that's actually good because it's increasing communication between upper management and the lower people, which are millennials right now for the most part. Um, and in my current job, that is something that I've really enjoyed is being able to sit down and actually talk to my boss about what she likes and doesn't like. Um, and I think 
if anyone who's listening in is part of upper management, um, try to kind of do that balance of for every one good thing you say, you're it outdoes five bad things, you know, something like that. Or is it, it the opposite? No, that's actually true. Okay. I mean, it, 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 but bad meaning just kind of uh, constructive feedback there you go. is, is, is yeah. you know, it's the political way to look at it. <laughs> but that's a great point. That's how we and, view it is bad and good. Right. But yeah, right. Well, and you, and you wonder why there's an issue. <laughs> but that's the big difference is the difference is, is that the whole system was set up on the fact that if there was a mistake made, then it would be get get yourself back in line. And the overall expectation was do your job. Whereas you guys, you guys are coming in and saying, well, I'm doing my job. I'm showing up. I'm giving you 102%. Uh, and it, it would be, are we nine- really bad at math? Right. Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, no. I'm just, no, I'm just saying <laughs> maybe, but that's not really what I'm, the, the point I'm making here is that you guys are, there's nothing wrong with somebody coming in as, as a, as a Gen X or an older manager and saying, Hey, you know, really glad to have you on the team. You know, it's, it's really, you're, you, you are an integral part of this system. You're not saying, Hey, great job showing up when you're supposed to. Right. That's not the point, but we're not used to any of that stuff. And that's why the whole thing about gaining levels of positive reinforcement is kind of a foreign thing to a lot of older people that are still in the management positions. Sure. Yeah. Your, your previous mentors didn't hug you enough. There was no hugging. Yeah. Yeah. It it it's so ethnic. <laughs> We're huggers. Yeah, yeah, clearly. I know. Which I don't have a problem with. So the um well, that's like a whole show. Right. And I wanted to talk about that. Good. Let's do another show. Can you do, oh, okay. do, do you have another half hour? Yeah, sure. Let's All do right, it. All right, cool. All right. So we're we're uh cuz we want to talk I want to talk about the the workaholic and your self-worth in your career. Okay. And I also want to talk about the student loan experience. Okay, you got it. All right. So, uh remember uh, Serena Baby, it's uh radio podcast. It's kind of took over for the Walk of Shame. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. You can also uh, find it on javabud.com. You can always find stuff on javabud.com. Uh, the upcoming book, Surrounded by Idiots, uh, how to, Three and a Half Steps to Rise Above the Unwashed Masses and Live Life on Your Own Damn Terms. Of course, I didn't put damn because it's going to be in front on the book cover and I didn't want to put that on there. So, Rules. but, uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad words inside the book. So if you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's the way I kind of rebel. I told you I was born too, way too early. I just do not fit in with the Gen X stuff. Anyway, have a a great week, and uh, we'll be back next week for part two. Sounds good. See you then. Bye.